Hello, hello. Welcome to the Crossing Church. Can you keep that applause going as we welcome our South Shore campus with Pastor Hector Rivera and our Plant City campus with Pastor Michael Pippen and everyone watching online around the world. We're so glad you joined us this weekend. And we're so glad you're here, here at the Tampa campus. Well, our lead pastors, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara, they'll be back next weekend. And I always want to honor them to be able to teach on this platform. And can you show them your appreciation as we thank them? Pastor Greg, Pastor Tamara, we love you. Can't wait to see you when you come back. And I also want to encourage you, you just heard it in the video announcements, but two weeks from now, Dr. Christopher Yuan is going to be here speaking, and he's got a powerful testimony, a powerful word, and he's going to be teaching us how to engage with culture in truth and love. And you see, you need both of those things. You need truth in love. And so he's going to be doing that. I encourage you to check out the website to learn about his ministry. And again, First Wednesday is this week. You do not want to miss First Wednesday. Come on, you can give it up for First Wednesday here at the Tampa campus, 7 p.m. Well, if you would, uh, let's pray together as we jump in. Heavenly Father, we invite you into this place. I pray that your presence is here at all of our campuses and around the world, everyone watching online. And most of all, I just pray you speak to us. God, I pray you use me, speak through me. And we pray that we hear from you each individually and corporately. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you're taking notes today, and I encourage you to do, you can also find notes at wearecrossing.com notes. The title of the message today is Holding Pattern. Holding Pattern. You might recognize that name from aviation. Maybe you've flown in a plane in the past, and you've had to enter a holding pattern for whatever reason. There could be an issue at the airport or too many planes trying to land at the same time, and the captain will come on the, the radio and say, we're going to enter a holding pattern. Sorry, that was a terrible impression. I apologize to everyone. I wasn't planning that. But you might enter a holding pattern where you have to basically just circle around and wait. And so I wanted to show you a couple images. If you've never seen this website, it'll just blow your mind. This is Flight Radar 24. And it actually shows you all the planes in the air at any given moment. This is a picture of like live planes in the air. I know some of you are thinking, I'm never getting on a plane again. These things are all going to crash into each other. But it's amazing. There's literally tens of thousands of planes in the air at any moment. And you see them in real time. You can click on one and see its origin, its destination, and all that. And sometimes you'll find one in a holding pattern. If you go to that next image, and if a plane has to enter that holding pattern for whatever reason, it'll start doing this. Right, it just circles round and round until it can actually land at the airport. And it can't do this forever, right? Fuel and physics are a thing, you know, it can't circle forever. But it might enter that holding pattern for a time, so it has time to land. And you know, what's interesting is ever since the pandemic has happened, it seems like people are in a holding pattern of sorts. It might be a mental holding pattern, maybe it's an emotional holding pattern, but a holding pattern where you feel like every day is going by and you just kind of live in life and it's moving, but it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. And well, counselors and psychologists, they've actually put a name to this phenomenon. It's this place where maybe nothing terrible is happening anymore. You're doing okay, but you're also not doing great. So you're somewhere in the middle, right? Can anybody identify with this feeling? It just feels like, oh, just every day, it's a little bit of a trudge, a little bit of a slog. And you're just not sure how to get out of that hamster wheel or that circle. You're in a holding pattern. You're not sure how to get unstuck. So there was a recent New York Times article, and actually put a name to this feeling. The title of the article said, there's a name for the blah you're feeling, and it's called languishing. 
languishing. It's this feeling of being in between, just kind of trudging along. That can feel like a heavy word, and so if you need a, a better, more scientific word for this feeling, it might be described as meh. It's the feeling of meh. You know, it's kind of like how compared to Marvel, every DC superhero movie is kind of meh. You know I'm not lying. I'm not lying. You know it's true. I apologize to all the Superman fans. I'm sorry. But, you know, this article really put its finger, I think, on the pulse of this feeling. And so I want to read this quote from the article, and it says this. Part of the danger is that when you're languishing, you might not notice the dulling of delight or the dwindling of drive. You don't catch yourself slipping slowly into solitude. You're indifferent to your indifference. Now, this author's very good at the alliteration. There's a lot of same letters in there. But it's that feeling of nothing delights me anymore. I'm not driven anymore to do anything or to achieve anything. And that indifference just becomes numb. We just accept it and we just go about our days. And so we have this feeling, this feeling of blah or meh or languishing, whatever you want to call it. But on the other hand, we have this feeling of that the clock is still moving. We're still living life. Like days are still going by and weeks are still going by and even years. I don't know about you, but sometimes I catch myself saying, this happened last summer, but oh no, wait a minute, that was two summers ago, right? Last summer was COVID summer, and you got to subtract a year, it's crazy. And so we feel like the clock is still spinning. And if you really want to have this feeling, there's a website, and we'll put it up just for a second, it's in the, the notes, you can go to wearecrossing.com notes to learn about it. But this guy, he made this website, and it's your life calendar in months. And so if you go to the first picture, once you go to this website, you put in your birth date, and it will fill in the circles, and it shows you this is a lifespan of 90 years in months. Every little circle represents a month. And so if you put in your birth date, and if I put in mine, you'll see that's about, if you're in your mid-30s, that's about where you are. The little filled-in circles are the amount of life you've lived, and the rest of it is what you have left. It's open. You can go to the next one. If you're in your 50s, it looks more like that. Some of you just got like, <gasps> what? I know, some of you just got that feeling. I get it. But, you know, if you go to the next one, even if you're in your 20s, it looks like that. And now this is like the ultimate test of glass half full, right? You could see this and think, whoa, that's a lot of red filled in dots. I don't have a lot of time left. But I want to encourage you. If you can get out of that holding pattern, God has a plan and a purpose for every open circle left on your calendar. He has a plan ready for you, waiting for you to fulfill his purpose. And so even if you're all the way down here, there is still purpose for your life. You can still get out of that holding pattern and fulfill God's purpose. Amen? Amen. So how do we deal with this? We have this meh feeling on this side, and then we have this race against the clock on the other, and then we just feel stuck. So what do we do? Well, in the Old Testament, the Israelites had this exact situation. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years before they reached the promised land. That's a long time. And so if we examine what they did, maybe we can avoid their pitfalls and do better ourselves. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Numbers. It's at the beginning of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth book. It's not all numerals. There's actually words in there, but it's just called Numbers. Well, that joke didn't fly. That's all right. That's okay. South Shore got it, I'm sure. Thank you, South Shore. 
And we're going to start in chapter 14. But let me give you the backstory. The Israelites in the book of Exodus, they were enslaved to the Egyptians. The Israelites were slaves. They were being beaten, whipped, building the Egyptian empire. And then God comes along and says, I'm going to deliver my people. He sends Moses and the plagues happen. And then all the Israelites, they flee Egypt and they cross the Red Sea. They do it Charleston Heston style, like in the Ten Commandments, right? They cross the Red Sea. They go to Mount Sinai. They get the Ten Commandments. And they were supposed to reach the promised land. But here's what happens. You don't have to turn here, but real quick, Exodus 19.1, it says this. In the third month, on the same day of the month that the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, they entered the wilderness of the Sinai. So three months after leaving Egypt through that Red Sea, they entered the wilderness of the Sinai. And little did they know they were going to be in a holding pattern for 40 years in this wilderness. I want to show you a map to kind of orient you to where they were. So here's Egypt. They left Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea right here. They go down to Mount Sinai, get the Ten Commandments, and they go up to Canaan, or that's called the Promised Land. That's present-day Israel. And that journey, amazingly, was only supposed to take 11 days. The journey was only supposed to take 11 days. But because of complaining and regret and fear, and being stuck in a holding pattern, it took 40 years. I've spoken before, I was able to go on a trip to Israel and Egypt, and I took pictures. As you drive through the Sinai Peninsula, this is what you see. That's it. Desert. 40 years in a holding pattern here. God never intended them for them to be there for 40 years. It was just supposed to be an 11-day journey. But instead, they spent decades there. Why? We're going to examine why. And so if you're taking notes, here's number one. These are questions we're going to ask ourselves and examine our own hearts. Is fear or regret keeping you in a holding pattern? Is fear or regret keeping you in a holding pattern? And so if you had Numbers chapter 14 pulled up, we're going to read Numbers 14 starting with verse 2. And it says this, all the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, their leaders. And the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Now, I want to remind you, God promised them Canaan. God made the promise for the promised land. He didn't mean for them to be wandering here. This is on them. But they say, our wives and little children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt and so they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. And the Lord says to Moses, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not trust in me despite all the signs I have performed among them? And I want to focus on that part of the verse. They said, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? It's amazing how only just a few months or even years after they left, they forgot what it was like. In Egypt, they were literally slaves to the Egyptians, toiling day and night, building the pyramids or whatever else was going on in Egypt at the time. They were not free. But just because they started wandering a little bit, they said, let's go back to that. It was better. We should have never left. You know, I thought about this meme as I was reading this verse. It says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. <laughs> Anybody identify? But what's funny is when we look back, at past times in our lives, we can sometimes have what they call rose-colored glasses. 
We could think about our past and we say, oh, man, it was really good back then. But in reality, we were slaves to our sin. Or we were slaves to fear or anxiety and stress. But because it's unknown, the future, because we feel like we're in this holding pattern, we almost want to go back to what was worse because we knew it, because it's comfortable or because it's expected. And so we will almost settle for the things we expect rather than the promise that God has ahead of us. This is the core of regret. And so if you find yourself thinking, oh, that was the good old days, I ask you to check yourself. You need to look forward. The past is gone. But we know the power of regret is strong. Regret can make it seem like the past time, whether it was living in sin or a time you were far away from God, that it was better. But it wasn't. I think of this verse from the Apostle Paul in Philippians. He said, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. I don't have it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. And listen, I get it. It's natural to think, what if I had done this? Or what if I had done that? What if I had bought Bitcoin seven years ago? Maybe it's just me, but, you know, sometimes you start doing the math. You're like, if I would have put all my life savings into that. And we know it doesn't change a thing. But for some reason, we still do it because that power of regret is so strong and we wonder what could have been. And that feeling of regret holds us back. It holds us in that holding pattern and prevents us from moving forward. And so if you're living in fear of an unknown future or living in regret of the past and you'll never move forward, you're destined to be in a holding pattern. And so I encourage you, ask God to help you examine your heart. Am I living in regret or fear? So number one, is regret or fear keeping you in a holding pattern? And number two, are distractions keeping you in a holding pattern? Are distractions keeping you in a holding pattern? If you go back one chapter in Numbers to chapter 13, it says this. And the Israelites, they reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. Indeed, this is the promised land, and there's fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living there. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and the Canaanites, they all live there. And then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, we must go up and take possession of the land, because we can certainly conquer it. So what's happening here? The Israelites, at the beginning of their wandering, were actually at the doorstep of the promised land. They were right there, the place that God had promised literally for hundreds of years that he was going to give to them. But when they got there, they saw giants in the land. They saw the Amalekites and the Jebusites. They saw all the ites, right? And they got scared. And they got distracted. And they forgot about the promise that God had given them hundreds of years before. And they said, no, we can't go in. We can't beat these people. And sometimes in our life we get so distracted from the promise of God. We get so distracted from his voice, distracted from reading his word, that we enter a holding pattern where we just go in circles. How many of you realize our world has an infinite amount of distractions available to us? If you unlock your phone, you can fall down any number of rabbit holes, news, social media, entertainment, comparing ourselves to other people. And I don't want to speak on that just for a moment. The danger of social media, yeah, there's a lot of info, bad info, all that. But the danger is when we start comparing our lives to other people. And it steals our joy. 
Comparison is the thief of joy. And in his book, 12 Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson says this. Never compare yourself to others. Only compare yourself to who you were yesterday. I want to say that again. Because this is hard. This is hard to do. Don't compare yourself to others. When you go on Instagram or social media, you see somebody in Hawaii, you're taking some amazing vacation, don't compare yourself to them. Only compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Just try to be a little more kind than you were yesterday. Pray a little more than yesterday. Speak to God just a little more than you did yesterday. And that's how you know you are succeeding and moving forward. Not when you compare yourself to other people. That much distraction will keep you locked up in a holding pattern. In that same New York Times article about languishing, it gave this advice. A Fortune 500 software company tested a simple policy. No interruptions, cross-employee interruptions, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday before noon. They said these three days a week, nobody email each other, nobody bother each other, nobody go into other's office. And they said company quiet time is official policy. 65% achieved above average productivity. Now, some of you are like me. I'm like, let's do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 9 to 5. Let's try that. No, you need to be able to work and work as a team. But it's amazing what can be accomplished when we limit distractions. And so further it says, treat uninterrupted blocks of time as treasures to guard. Treat uninterrupted blocks of time as treasures to guard. And we need to do that especially with God and with our family. Set aside uninterruptible blocks of time. Turn the phone off, not just in do not disturb. Get away from anything that might beep or bling, you know, make all those sounds. Make yourself uninterruptible and spend that time with God, spend that time with family. So we need to limit distractions and ha will help us focus on God throughout the day. Otherwise, we'll be in a holding pattern. So number one, is fear or regret keeping you in a holding pattern? Number two, are distractions keeping you in a holding pattern? And this one's a little different. Number three, are you trusting God through the holding pattern? Are you trusting God through the holding pattern? You know, there are some times when a holding pattern is not of our own design. Sometimes there are situations in life, maybe it's health or finance, that we are in a holding pattern and we can't get out ourselves. We're actually moving to Thanota Sasa. I'm looking forward to saying that on the phone to every billing agency for the rest of my life. But we're trying to build a house, and we already sold our house. So we're in this, like, temporary living situation, and it's the ultimate holding pattern. And it doesn't feel great, right? It can just be this sense of unknown or how long is it going to take. And maybe that's you. You're in a holding pattern, and you can't get out yourself. I want to encourage you to hold on to the promises of God. You see, before the Israelites ever went into the wilderness, God spoke his promise over and over. In Genesis 12, 6, hundreds of years before the Exodus, he promised Abraham. It says, Abram passed through the land to the side of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. But the Lord appeared to him and said, I will give this land to your offering, to your offspring. And so he built an altar there to the Lord. So God already promised it to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12. 
And then in Exodus 6, he makes the promise again to Moses. He says, I will bring you to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession, for I am Yahweh. You see, when God makes a promise, it can't not come to pass. When God promises something, it must happen. It must. And sometimes when you're in that holding pattern, it can feel so discouraging. It's just hard to get up and trudge through. And in those moments, if you've done everything else, you've dealt with fear and regret, you've limited distractions, then it's time to fall at his feet and say, God, I need to trust you right now. Help me to trust you. The Israelites didn't wander forever. After the 40 years, they did enter the promised land. They did fight all those ites, and they did win. And as they entered the promised land, Joshua, who brought them into the promised land, he reminded them of this in Joshua 23, starting in verse 9. He says, The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you. No one is able to stand against you this day. Some of you need to hold on to that right there. No one can stand against you this day. One of you routed a thousand because the Lord God was fighting for you, as he promised. So be diligent to love the Lord your God for your own well-being. I am now going the way of all the earth, and you know with all your heart and with all your soul, none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. None of the promises has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. And the same is true today. The same God who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and into the promised land is the God we serve today. And his promises still hold true today. Some of you need this promise. Matthew 28, verse 20. Remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with you always. Another promise, if you feel like you're dealing with regret or fear, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear doesn't come from God. But he's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. He's not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If you're living with regret, ask God to help you release it. Are you surrounded by distractions? Set aside uninterruptible time with him. God will not leave you in a holding pattern forever. He brought the Israelites to the promised land, and he will help you too. I want to end with this story, incredible story of a man who survived at sea for 438 days. His name is Jose Salvador Alvarenga. You didn't know I was going to flip that R on you. Alvarenga. Jose was on a fishing boat with a friend off the coast of Mexico when a storm hit. The storm took them out to sea, and they got stranded, adrift. And for 438 days, they were stranded at sea. 6,700 miles they traveled. You can see this map where they went all the way off the coast of Mexico eventually to the Marshall Islands in the Pacific, the whole time lost at sea. At one point, Alvarenga had almost lost hope when he saw land. And here's the amazing part of the story. His friend didn't make it, unfortunately. But when Alvarenga saw land, he left the boat. He left the place of comfort, the place that had helped him survive for over a year. He said, I am not going to be in this holding pattern anymore. He got out of his boat and swam to shore. And I want you to see a picture of this boat. This is the boat he was on for over a year. 
suddenly our holding pattern doesn't look so bad, right? And you know, there's that moment when we, maybe like the Israelites, maybe even like Jose, where it felt comfortable what we knew. Our past is familiar. Yeah, we're in a holding pattern, but we're indifferent to our indifference. We have to ask God to help us get out of the holding pattern. He has a purpose for your life. Every little circle of your life, every month, he has a plan and purpose. He can help you get out of that holding pattern. And so right now, I just want to pray for you. If you want to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment, if that's you, and you're saying, man, I felt like I'm in a holding pattern. I felt like I'm just stuck. I don't know how to get out. We're going to ask God to help you. If that was you, can you just slip your hand? It's just for me to see. I just want to see if that's you. You feel like I'm in a holding pattern right now. I just want to pray for you. We're not going to make you ask you to do anything funny. I just want to pray for you today. South Shore, Plant City, online. Heavenly Father, you brought the Israelites out of Egypt. You brought them into the promised land. And we know your promises never fail. So, Father, we just ask all of those that feel like they're in a holding pattern, they feel like they're just trudging along day by day, God, I pray that you break that spirit. I pray that you break that holding pattern and you help them see the purpose, that you begin to give them direction for their life, that even today that they begin to seek you and hear your voice and they say, I know what I need to do now. I know the direction I need to go. I pray they limit distractions and they begin to seek you daily, that they eliminate regret and fear and they fall at your feet to serve you, to be encouraged by you and to move forward out of that holding pattern. We believe that to be in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And now we're going to do one more prayer. And this is for those who would say, you know, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know God, but I, I feel like I, I want to give my life to him. Well, let me tell you, Jesus Christ truly lived 2,000 years ago. He walked this earth as God made flesh. And he died on a cross so our sins could be forgiven when we come to him. And then miraculously, he rose from the dead. And there's so much evidence in the Bible and outside the Bible that he did it. And he proved that he was God so that you today could confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. And the Bible says then you will be saved. And so we're going to pray a simple prayer all together. Everyone's going to repeat it so you're not alone. But if that's you today saying, I want to give my life to him. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I want Jesus to lead my life. This is a prayer for you. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes one more time, we're all going to pray this together so you're not alone. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Give me a fresh start. Make me a new creation. And teach me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Everyone keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to count to three, and when I do that, if that was you, you're saying, I'm giving my life to Christ. I just want you to slip up your hands so we can connect with you and pray for you. No one's looking around. We're not going to ask you to do anything. We just want to see those hands. If that was you saying, I'm giving my life to Christ today, lift your hand on three. One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I see you all the way in the back. No one's looking around. We're just going to wait for a moment. If that was you, say, I'm giving my life to Christ today. We're just going to wait just a moment. Amen. Church, would you celebrate with those who gave their life to Christ, people in the risers and the bleachers? Amen. Powerful. That's awesome. Amen. If you would stand with us here at the Tampa campus, 
We're going to worship for just a moment, and we actually have prayer partners up here at the altar. And so maybe you're saying, I wanted to give my life to Christ, but I didn't raise my hand, or maybe you need prayer for anything. You need someone to agree with you in prayer to help you out of that holding pattern you might be in. That's what they're here to do. They want to pray with you. And so as we sing this last chorus, you can actually move out of your seat and come down for prayer as we sing in just a moment. And then Pastor Jeremy's going to come close the service. God bless you.